Okay, shalom. And we're here at a soul's journey series, which is taking us through the thematic themes of uh, Tanya, chapter by chapter. We are now on chapter first, chapter four, um, the second shiur, the second lecture. Okay. Hi, uh, Rachel. See you join. How are you? Okay. So the title for today is Dress for the Relationship You Cannot Yet Have. Okay? To understand this in the perspective that we're speaking, the Alter Rebbe is talking about the garments of the soul. The garments of the soul is thought, speech, and action. The actual organs, limbs of the soul itself is the three intellects and the seven emotions. Now, what does it mean, dress for the relationship you cannot yet have? What does that mean? What it means is that the soul is finite in its own way. In other words, we explained and we went through it at great length that when we talk about the soul is truly a piece of God, we're talking about the pintalayid, chispa de chodio, that, that piece of God, the spark of creator, which became creation. However, all the levels of the soul and all the faculties of the soul are not infinite. The intellect of the soul is not infinite. For were the, in, were the intellect of the soul to truly be infinite, it would be able to grasp God. The infinite grasps the infinite. And yet, what does it say? The prophet says, He who will intellectually search out God, will he find him? Will we, will we ever be able to have our finite intellect wrap itself around the infinite God? I mean, on a side note, I didn't see this, but I heard that the Rebbe once said, a God that I can understand can't be my God. By definition. So, with that being said, what does it mean that we can connect to God Himself? We cannot, through the finite faculties, i.e., limbs and organs of the godly soul. Put that on, put that thought aside. Now let's talk about something else. We know that the first word of the Torah, of the Ten Commandments is not Hebrew. The first words of the Ten Commandments is I. I am God, your God. The word, the actual word is Anochi. In Hebrew, the word for I is Ani. Anochi is not the Holy Tongue in origin. And our sages explain, so why did God use the word Anochi and not Ani? By the end of the Shema, the daily Shema, what do we say? Ani Hashem emet. So God does use those words, Ani Hashem Elokechem. So how come over here he didn't say, Ani, I am God, your God who took you out of Egypt? Why Anochi? And the teaching says that the word Anochi is actually an acronym. And the acronym stands for Aleph Nun Chof Yud. Ano, nafshit, ksavit, yahavit. 
I have given myself, placed my essence into the Torah, into my life. You find the same thing in the teachings of a couple of weeks ago when God started the fundraiser for building the Holy Temple, the tabernacle, the mobile Holy Temple in the, uh, in the desert. And what does it say there? It says, God told Moses, speak to the Jewish people. They shall take me a donation. Now, the wording is, could have been grammatically better. And thus we extrapolate, our sages extrapolate from this an amazing teaching. The you want to take me, me you want to take, my essence, truma. The word truma means a donation. But it also, in this teaching stands for Torah mem. The Torah that was given in 40 days and 40 nights upon Mount Sinai to Moses. The you want to take me. You don't want to just grab some outer energies of God. You don't want to just be able to marvel at the works of God. You want to have an intimate relationship. You want to take the essence, the into me seat of God, Torah. When you study Torah, you're digesting not a thought of God, but the essence of God. And Kabbalah goes on to explain how is it so. One, one teaching says, for the Torah is the wisdom of God. Concerning God, he, he and his wisdom is one. As Maimonides says, he is the knower, he is the knowledge, he is the known. For God does not know anything but himself, for he is everything and everything is he. Thus, the three are one. He is the knower, he is the knowledge, he is you and I. We, in, we receive information, i.e. wisdom, from outside. Thus, we're not our wisdom, our wisdom is not why. As, as Aristotle said, does a mathematician turn into a triangle? It's different. But because God, everything is from within, thus he and his wisdom is one. So when he puts his wisdom into the Torah, it is him. One teaching. Another teaching says that it doesn't say that the Torah is wisdom. It says, It naftit means to go out. In other words, the portal through which the Torah expresses itself is wisdom. But the Torah in itself is above and beyond wisdom. Whether we say it's the will of God, not just the intellect of God. But beyond that, refer back to the other classes that you were with me. You have the desire of God, the essence of God. Thus, the Torah is truly one with God. That means that when I learn a piece of Gemara, when I, I learn a chapter Tanya, when I learn a Pasuk, and I don't just skim through it, more or less, I got it. No. We go through the entire process like we explained in the previous chapter of Tanya 3. We spoke about the wisdom, we spoke about the understanding, and we spoke about the knowledge. We're talking about we understand the dot, the core dot. We understand the way it expresses itself into the three-dimensional length, width, and depth, height, which in intellectually that means width, all the very details, 
and then the length is talking about I can explain it lower and lower, take it down a level, take it down a level, take it down a level. Depth is the exact opposite. Shed, 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 until you have that fine. So ultimately, in the work of intellect, there is the dot from which everything comes. There is dissecting the dot. And then after you've dissected it, you then once again find that one dot, which now is all-inclusive on a much higher level. Once you find the core dot, after you have extrapolated everything, you can truly say, I have digested it all. And thus, unlike in a mitzvah, where when I put tefillin on my hand, my hand doesn't internalize it. The mitzvah encompasses. When you light the Shabbos candles, you don't change. Your hands don't change. When you study Torah, your brain physically changes. The neural pathways and even the weight. Physically, the gray mass has changed. Because when you do a mitzvah, God is hugging you. You can't hug God. When you study Torah, it's a double hug. It's a two-way hug. You're being hugged by God and you're hugging God. For you truly have internalized the understanding. I truly understand this law with all the details, the reasoning, the extrapolation, finding the inner soul of it, the way it expresses itself. When you can say that about any piece of Torah, you have thoroughly digested the Torah. Well, one second now. I gave you two facts. That's a paradox. One fact I'm telling you is you'll never be able to understand God. As the prophet says, You search God. Will you truly find him? Will you ever be able to wrap your head around him? That's what it means to truly find. By the way, parenthetically speaking, according to Maimonides, that's what Moses was asking. God, show me your face. Maimonides says Moses wanted the Jewish people to be able to truly see, wrap their heads around it, not need faith. And God said, no. You can only see but not see. The elusiveness. My back, see but not see. Thus, you can never wrap your head around God. Yet I just told you from the first word of that if you truly wrap your head around any teaching in the Torah, you have wrapped your head around a piece of God. Now, you know that God is not complex. The simplicity of pure essence means any piece of God is all of God. It's not like you grabbed onto his finger, but you're not holding his head. You grabbed onto his head, you're not holding his foot. That, that only exists in complexity. But in absolute simplicity, a piece of essence is all of essence. Thus, I'm giving you here two absolute antithetical teachings. You can never wrap your head around God, but you could wrap your head around God. Let's take it further. It's not just that the human capacity, whether it be once the soul has manifested itself into the body and now is limited by the effects of the human mind, 
with the animalistic soul and needs and drives and chemical releases and all of that. But even as the soul is above, a soul cannot wrap itself around God. So much so that there is a certain group of angels, there are 10 different groups of angels, my mind just lists for us. One of those groups is called Seraphim. Seraphim is the fiery ones. That's what it means. Seraph means to burn up. And what it really means is that they burn themselves up because they're trying to absorb what they cannot absorb. And thus, there's a short. It also says that there is those that Bira'ash, we say it in davening, when we say the famous verses, Kadosh, 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 right? And Baruch Kvod. If you look, each one has an angelic introduction. Right? Right? What is the rash? Why are angels making a rash? Humans who have uh, hormonal releases are noisy and chaotic. What are angels? Angels should be. And the answer is once again, the rash is because they're perceiving what they can't perceive. And thus there's an uproar. There's an internal emotional uproar. On a total different note, there's a whole story where the Alter Rebbe was experiencing certain pains and his teacher, his Rebbe, the Mazrucha Magid, had a doctor come and check and the answer is his mind is yearning for what his heart cannot contain his heart is containing for what his mind cannot yearn proceed that level when the finite touches the infinite you've got that so on one hand, the soul by itself, the faculties of the soul can never truly grasp God. I want to talk about this for a moment. Most people don't realize this. When we talk about the soul's thinking about God, there's two different categories. And it took me a while to realize that that's what I'm learning in Hasidus. I don't know why it was never pointed out to me. There is this, the, the, yes, there is this explanation that the four levels, the four letters of the Tetragrammaton of God is love, fear, Torah, and mitzvah. That, that means that to love God, to love God, practically speaking, if I'm going to learn the laws of real estate, in the tractic of Talmud called Baba Batra. Just practically speaking, am I going to love God? I'm learning His Torah. I could marvel at God's compassion, wisdom, everything, but there's different experiences where the meditation of, learn, of loving God is focused in Kabbalah and Hasidis. It doesn't say, learn a Mishnah and you'll love God. If you remember in chapter 3, he's very precise and he's saying that how does the intellect give birth to emotion? And he gives three levels. He says about studying and meditating upon the linear light which permeates. And thus you realize, Ki hu love God for he is your life. Then there is focusing on the circular infinite light which really has you facing the minuteness of self. I mean, if you're standing on, on uh, the Himalayas or you're standing at the uh, Grand Canyon 
or you're standing at that, you know, the waterfalls that separate Brazil. And I mean, if you're standing there and you, you feel so minute, now take that times, you know, whatever, to understand that when you realize that the divinity within me, the divinity within me, not my ego flesh that's going to decompose, the divinity within me is a finite ray, which is a nothingness, the absolute nothingness of the circular infinite. It's quite clear. The finite linear is a nothingness in the face of the circular. So I'm not saying I'm a nothing in the face of God because of me being a creation and I decompose, I'm born, I die. I'm talking about already the divinity within all of the universe. Thus, that meditation on the circular gives birth to all. Then he says, when you realize that both the linear and the circular are nothing more than the expression of the infinite light, you're not even talking about the unexpressible essence of the light. And even then, you're not talking about the source of the light. You realize that neither love nor awe, total humility and transparency. Because, <laughs> a cute joke. You know, there are people that they try to express their humility. So before they sign their name, they would write Hakatan, the small one. That's what they write. Yeah, yeah, so. So this running joke, those who play the game, they're really arrogantly expressing, not only am I great, I'm also humble, right? So they would laugh when they saw someone who they thought was really a nobody. Ah, oh, he's also a small one. You, know, you have to be a big one to write a small one. To be a nothing is already, you know, to be acknowledged as a nothing. Thus you understand that the relationship to the circular light is that leaves me having awe and fear of acknowledging that I'm a nothing. When you come to the essence of the infinite light, so everything I just told you about will come about through studying the teachings of Hasidus, specifically about the light of God, about God, about the relationship between creator and creation. That's what does it. But if I'm learning Genesis, or I'm learning the Talmud, or I'm learning Jewish law, that, that's not the type of meditation and concentration. Thus, the Altenebra writes that when it comes to learning that which is permissible and that which is not permissible, there's the book. When it comes to meditating upon the greatness of God, that really depends upon on the capacity of the soul and the clarity of the garment to the soul. Remember, we spoke about that. It's two different things. So when I say, if you're to meditate, concentrate, search, will you ever reach? I'm not talking about studying Torah. Yes, if you study Torah, you'll be able to understand. That's the gift of God. In this chapter, Tanya, we also quote that that's why Torah is compared to water. It's not just compared to fire. What's the difference between fire and, and water? Fire, no matter how you hold the candle, it's always going upward. 
water, no matter what you're doing, it's always seeping downwards. The only reason we have natural wells is because the water reaches the bedrock and then it's forced because the other water is pushing it, it's being pushed back up. But water in essence is always looking to go as low as possible. Thus the Torah is water because it's looking to come down further, further, further. Thus you should know that when you study Torah, you can't say to yourself, really? You think I'm going to understand this? Why? Because if you say that, you can't make a blessing. How can you make a blessing on food that you're not going to eat? When you make a blessing on studying Torah, it's because you say, I'm going to study, I'm going to understand at my own present level. Thus, every Jew truly can understand the Torah. My grandfather, blessed memory, used to always tell me, well, you're, you're worried that you're not so smart and you don't understand the way the rabbi understands. He says, this is the only difference. An ounce of oil. He says, Zaidi, what does an ounce of oil mean? He says, in the olden days, we used to study. You have to light the candle with oil. He understood it in an hour. So you only have to waste one ounce of oil. You're going to have to study for two hours. So you'll, you'll need another ounce of oil. But study and you'll understand. Not so when it comes to understanding the infinite greatness of God. Thus, now let's go back. When he's telling you, can your faculties of your soul, can your faculty of wisdom ever truly wrap itself around the essence dot of God? No. Can your the soul's faculty of understanding ever truly dissect and digest? That's the way the mind works. Divide and conquer. Can it ever truly divide and conquer any detail of God? No. Remember, a piece and a detail of essence is essence. So that's true. No. If so, how can I ever have a real relationship with God? See, there's a problem. I'm not even going to get into, I'm not messing with God of our understanding that's quoted in the, in the program. That's very important. That's the only true relationship an addict can have God. And drop the baggage that others dump on However, I want to say something else. If God is not who God is, it's who I decide he is, then it's not God. So if I'm going to say that what I understand about God's greatness is God, it's not God. Thus, when the prophet tells you, can you ever wrap your head around God? The answer is no. And thus the famous teaching I quoted to you last week. My mommy says, study science, you'll love God. Why? Because you understand the artist through the painting. You understand the weightlifter through the weights he lifts. You understand the musician through the music he composes. Thus we understand God through his works. But that's nothing. That's not God. Remember, I shared this with you once in one of the classes in the other series. God is not a creator any more than I am not a, a computer technician or, or a woman's not a secretary. It's a job that we did. God is not a creator. Thus, everything I study about God through creation is understanding when God put on the hard hat and decided to create. That's not who God is. Just truly, our faculties can never wrap itself around. 
knew. So how could I have a relationship? Now we understand. The garments give us what the ten faculties can't have. Thus the title of today's class. Dress for the relationship that you cannot yet have. How does that work? If I tell you that God put himself in the Torah, here's the beauty. When I study Torah, I'm studying finite facts. There is a law. If this and this is what the contract says, and this and this is the witnesses, and this and this and this and this, the law is like this. Everything about that is finite. But that's not what the essence faculties of the soul are working on. They're working on perception of God. It's the thought process that allows me to study words of Torah. Thus, through the garments of thought speech of Torah, actions of mitzvahs, I'm being hugged by the essence of God. I'm hugging the essence of God, which the ten faculties of my soul would never be able to connect with. Thus, the power of the garments of the soul in which we spend most of our life, if not all of our life, is really the greatest power of all. The constant internal battle. Thus, the prophet says an unbelievable text. He who screams and screams while he's standing in the water, screams. I want God. I want to have an absolute relationship with God. Drink. I want you to drink water. What's water? Really? Really? Rabbi, what exactly are you telling me? If I'm going to sit and learn, what happens? We don't even have oxygen. And, and, and cows no more in our backyards. But we're going to study Talmud. My ox scored your cow. Your cow is pregnant. We see a dead calf. And I got to figure out one second. You're saying that your my ox scored your cow. And because of that, the cow miscarried. So therefore, I have to pay for the calf. I'm telling you, no. My ox scored your cow after it had a baby. So the calf was a miscarriage before. Nothing was to do with my bull. So for the calf, I don't have to pay you. No. In those days, we didn't have closed-circuit cameras. So we have to figure out what's going on here. But the law is because you are trying to take money out of me. You have to bring the proof. If you can't bring the proof, it stays in my pocket. Like the concept in civil law, which came from that possession, nine-tenths of the law. So I want to ask you a question. Oh, I'm yearning to be one with God, to feel God just through me. I just shared with you a piece of Torah. You understood it. I understood it. What exactly? What ecstasy did we feel? Thus, you have one of the biggest problems with spiritual seekers. Thus, you have people yearning for meditation not only as a tool to a relationship with God, but that's all I want. Because you got to be nuts 
if you think that I'm going to waste my time learning some ancient laws, it's about dead calves. Oh, I just connected with God. deals with this. So I, I want to, we have time. So mm -hmm. I want to be able to take you through the whole thing. First of all, you need to know that you and I are learning the what? A bull, gores, and ox. Do you have an image in your head? You have an image in your head. Right? The ox gores the, the cow. And there's a baby calf. You know what an ox looks like. You know what a cow looks like. And you've seen probably a baby calf. So, in your mind, Hashem is talking about that animal that I saw and heard go, mm. right? Now, do you know that souls learn Torah in the Garden of Eden? Angels learn Torah in the Sifta Derekia. What do you think, Devin? You think that they're learning about an ox that looks like the ox that I and you saw? But one second, it's a verse in the Torah. The Torah talks about a shore, Shin Bav Reish. What are they talking about? So here we have to understand something just for practical purposes. Let's go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel's opening prophecy is that he saw the chariot of God. And upon the chariot of God, he said there were four, four faces. The face of an ox, the face of a lion, the face of an ox, the face of an eagle, and the face of a man. And he's talking about the chariot. He's talking about the, the Kisea Kavod, the throne of glory, which just to throw at you, you some Kabbalistic stuff, it's in the world of Berea. Now I want to ask you a question. What did he see? I just want to know, what did he see? Did he see Michelangelo painting a picture of an ox? Did it really look like an ox with the two nostrils that it have the wing in the front no that means that the spiritual the spiritual ox is very different than the physical ox let me tell you what he saw what he saw is explaining kabbalah that the ox is on the left side therefore the ox represents archangel gabriel and all his Many angels under him. Wow. So Gabriel's an ox. What exactly do you think he looks like? Do you think the Egyptians were right by making that man with the face of an ox and this and that? So we're now starting to understand what it means that the Torah is water which descends and descends and descends and descends. The law of an ox goring a cow manifests itself in the farmer's barn. It manifests itself in the angels of Gabriel. It manifests itself in the, in the emanations of Atilot. It manifests itself in the faces above Atilot. It manifests itself in whatever the expression of the letters Shin Vav Resh is within the expression of the infinite light. And it goes on and on and on. So understand that when you see the Mishnah talking about an ox goring a cow and you walk away with disgust. Really, Rabbi? I told you that I need some spirituality. This is what you meant? And the next thing you want to do is you want to get onto a plane, go to Tibet, 
and meet the guys dressed in white with no hair on their head, and they'll show you what spirituality is. And it seems to be right. Thus, the al explains something very interesting. You want to be hugged by the king, right? The king. Tell me, he has to be naked? For one second. So he didn't hug you. When he hugged you, he was wearing his coat. I hugged him inside. He took off his coat. So he was only wearing his undershirt, his tits, and, 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 and his shirt, and, and, his, and his big black uh, Shabbos coat. My hug was better than yours. Questions the Alter Rebbe. Does it make a difference how many garments? If the king is within the garments, it's a hug. So what's the difference if the Torah, which is the essence of God, is only wearing the spiritual garment of an ox, which Ezekiel saw, or it's wearing the physical ox that you and I saw? If you think of it all as an onion, layers upon layers upon layers upon layers, thus you understand that when we say anochi, I have placed my essence into my Torah. He means it the way the angels are learning it. He, he means it the way Abraham, Isaac, and, and, and Jacob, and Moses are right now learning it. And he means the way you and I are learning it. Obviously, when the water descends, it descends into lower and lower, and which means more and more garments. However, what we to say, I don't want that. You know what I want? I want to talk to you about meditation for a moment from a total different perspective. In the world of Kabbalah, we have something very interesting. You experience wisdom. Epiphany. And you're thinking about it. Have you ever noticed that you're not thinking about the intellect, but you're actually saying words in your brain? That means that you're not experiencing the light of wisdom. You're actually experiencing the vessels of wisdom. If you want to know what meditation could do for you in the world of Kabbalah is to silence the letters and experience the light. Because sometimes it's frustrating. When I prepare a class, really, the way I type the words, I'm actually, before I type the words, when I'm laying down, I'm just thinking. What am I thinking? I'm not seeing the light of the teaching of the Rebbe. Because my mind is talking. If my mind is talking, it's the letters in my mind. So what meditation can do for you is, this is all teaching of Chassidus, I'm not making up my own stuff. What the, what the Chassidus can do for you by studying meditation on the spiritual Kabbalistic level is, it helps you shed. The letters of speech is much coarse, much more coarse, coarser than the letters of thought. The letters of thought is much more coarse. But eventually, if you can share that you stop hearing your voice express the intellect, but rather just let yourself experience the intellect, which is very difficult because the mind works by divide and conquer. Divide and conquer is by putting things into letters and words and sentences. But if you can stop trying to grab around it and just let it be experienced, and later we'll figure it out. That's a beautiful power. 
However, understand what Alter Rebbe is saying. Even if you did that mystical process of meditation to the umph degree, where you were truly able to shed the letters and experience the essence of the faculty of wisdom of your soul, not the vessels, but the light. Remember what the prophet said. You think the light of wisdom of your soul can find God? No. It's finite. It's an emanation. It's a form. How can the form ever wrap itself around the formless? Thus, you now understand that no matter what I do in my pursuit of experiencing the faculties of my soul to connect me to loving God and becoming one with God, it's nothing compared to me studying with you. The Mishnah of a bull, an ox, gored a cow. The difference is the arrogance. Here I feel spiritual, and here I feel like, um, really? But here you find God, and there you're just playing the game of hide and seek. That's the power of the garments of the soul. Thus, the garments of the soul will take you to a relationship which you cannot have on your own, your soul. Thus, I say, dress for the relationship that you cannot have because the dressing will bring you the relationship. Ah, you won't feel it. I want to finish with an interesting story. This was overheard by a certain Chabadnik, famous, Avram Shemtov. And he wrote it to the Rebbe. He was sitting some 70 and he heard two non-Chabadniks talking. You know, for non-Chabadniks, the Rebbe does a lot more miracles than he does for his own followers. We have a lot of stories like that. Why? The other non-Chabadnik, no Chabadniks were involved in this picture. The other non-Chabadnik answered the person who non Chabad will ask the question says, What do I understand? We need a miracle, and he gives it to us. His own boys, he makes sure that they shouldn't need the miracle. We that aren't connected with his teachings, Hashem puts us in a position we should have to acknowledge. Oh, thanks to the Rebbe, after 20 years, we had a kid. Uh, the doctor gave up, up and a blessing. And we couldn't find a job, and they never told us, do this, and that. But when you talk about his own boys that acknowledge him and are connected with him, he already has it set up that they shouldn't need it. Not for that. Let's go to this. And, and really, this is a huge feature. I, I put on the shoulder. I'm sorry. Just, oh, sorry, people out there. I don't know how to shut it off on, on my, I don't know how to shut it off on my computer, I shut off my phone. Anyway, one day when I finish the whole Torah, I'll figure this out one out. Anyway, so to make the long story short, the process here is very, very simple. The process is that in Kabbalah and Hasidus, it talks about something very unique. The love that is not consciously felt is greater than the love that is consciously felt. What's the secret? When do you feel that you have a head and you have a headache? When things are natural, 
when you study the Gemara, that not feeling the love for God is God taking care of you without you having to know it. It's you loving God in a way where you're not like, oh my God, this was so great. I can't believe this Mishnah. I was, you know. God must dress for the relationship that you cannot have, but through it you will have it. Thank you.